0: So we are in a brand new month, which means we're starting a brand new series. As you saw on the screen, the series of this month is called Give. Just simply the word give. And we have begun the season of giving in this country, right? In November, December, these are the seasons where, where we tend to, giving is in the air, right? You have uh, in about three weeks on Thursday, we're all gonna sit around the table and give thanks. That's the, that's the giving in the month of November typically. And then after that, Christmas hits, and then it's about giving gifts to each other. It's about uh, being generous with one another. So this is definitely the season of giving, and we thought it would be pertinent to give a series this month to talk about what, what it looks like to live a lifestyle of giving. Okay, This isn't a series about trying to get you to give your money to the church so you can, you can relax a little bit, although we are going to talk about money this month because I believe the Word of God tells us more than anywhere what we, how we should approach our own finances too. And I believe we want to know financially what that looks like to follow God biblically, even with our finances. But that's not what this series is about. But I can tell you this, God literally wrote the book on generosity and on giving. Amen? And so we have his word that can lead us and guide us. And that's what this month is going to be about. Uh, So I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I read my text verse for the day. It's out of 1 John 3. It's just an honor of reading God's word. We'll stand together and uh, you can follow along with me or read it on your phone or on a Bible if you have it with you. 1 John 3, verses 16 to 18. It says, this is how we know what love is. So he's gonna tell us right here, this is what love is, okay? Christ, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That phrase laid down there in the Greek is the word tathami, which means to give, to set it aside, to give it up. So this this is the way that God gave was to lay down his life for us. And then we ought to lay down or to our lives for our brothers. So it's very, very simple, right? The word of God is not complicated. It's very simple. It's not always easy to follow it, to, to do what it says, but the concepts are very simple. Jesus gave his life for us. We are to give our lives for others. Then he gives an example of how that looks. He says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, Let us not love with word or tongue, but with action and in truth. My message today is entitled The ABCs of Generosity. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. It is truth. It is life to our bones. It is life to our spirit. God, I pray today that you would do your work in our lives that only you can do. I pray over these next few moments, Father, that you would open our hearts, that we would be good soil for this word to produce fruit in our lives, for our good, for your glory, Lord. And we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you, you can be seated. So I'm gonna start this week by kind of laying a foundation of generosity and giving, and then we're gonna build on that over the next three weeks following this week. The definition of generosity is very simply, giving more of something than is necessary or expected. Makes sense, right? Generosity is about not just doing what's expected, but going above and beyond what is expected. And, you know, we as humans, we love to be the recipients of generosity, right? I love it when somebody's generous with me. Uh, that's, a, that's a good, warm, fuzzy feeling. But when we're the source of generosity, that's something a little different, right? That, that usually requires sacrifice. Uh, it still creates a good feeling in us, but it's it's, uh, it's a little more challenging. It's a little more against our human nature than it is to receive generosity in our life. And when we talk about generosity, it can make us kind of tighten up a little bit, right? If we're honest with ourselves, when we talk about being generous, it can cause us to easily get a little bit uptight. And, and maybe it's because we automatically in our minds, maybe we go to money when we start thinking about generosity. And it's, it is, it can be part of it is about our finances and how that looks. And and uh, depending on your history in the church, you might even think, oh, here we go. They must need money. Their checking account must be getting low. They're going to ask us for money now, and they're not going to let us leave till we give all of our money in our checking account, right? And and some of that may be because of history that you've had. Maybe you've experienced some uh, a, a pastor or a minister or a church leader that has abused the scriptures to try to get you to give more money than you were even comfortable with giving. Maybe you saw it with some televangelist or something, and And you've seen it, and there's obviously there's a bit of a stigma sometimes even in the church. And I just want to say today that just because people have abused it doesn't mean we can abandon the tenant of our faith, right? Let us not abandon the idea of living generously just because someone has abused it because there's nothing the enemy wants more than to squash the generosity of the church because there is power behind our generosity. God empowers our generosity and uses it for his glory, uses it to expand the kingdom of God, and uses it to bless you too, and others. So please, let's start with that today. Let's not let what we've seen on TV or what we've seen in the media or what we've seen with other people of God, quote unquote, doing to manipulate, let us not cause that, let, let that cause us to abandon what we know to be true from the word of God. And I hope to over these next, Four weeks talk to you about that and what it looks like to live biblically and to receive the blessings that comes from generosity, but also to be able to have a heart that's not about ourselves, but about advancing God's kingdom and being a blessing in our communities as well. Depending on where you are in your faith, generosity might not even be on your radar right now. Or depending on where you are in life, it may not be on your radar. You might think, you know what, yeah, that that sounds great, but uh, I'm just trying to get through the week. And the thought of focusing on others Uh, whether it has to do with my time or my money or just even emotional support, it just makes me feel like I, I start getting, my blood pressure goes up because I just don't feel like I have it right now. And let me tell you, church, we're all there at times, right? All of us deal with that at times. In fact, I would say Americans in 2021 are the most overwhelmed people in the history of the world. We're the most blessed, but we're also the most overwhelmed. And I can tell you from experience that the cure for being overwhelmed in life is to stop focusing so much on yourself and start focusing on others. That's biblical. That is the cure for being overwhelmed in your life. And and it's it's difficult because you think, well, how can I focus on others because I'm so overwhelmed with my own stuff? But God can help you in that too. But some of it is the choices that we have to make in our own life. The key to misery is spending all of our time and resources on ourselves. If you want to be miserable, focus just on yourself. But there is there is something, there is a spiritual principle that is applied to our life when we are generous to others in our life. In fact, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, I love this verse. It says, a generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's a great promise. You should post that on your mirror if you need to. It's not something I made up. This is straight out of the word of God. If we can be refreshed, I love that word refreshed. You know, because it's not necessarily talking about finances, it's not necessarily talking about anything material, it's just talking about being refreshed. That's what I want, because when you're overwhelmed, you just need refreshing in your life, and the scriptures promise us that we will be when we are generous. God has called us to generosity, but it's not just because it's the right thing to do and he said it, but it's because there is a blessing for others and for yourself and for God. God is blessed when the church is generous in society. It is the cure for selfishness. So what I'm gonna to do today, I'm gonna to give you the five E's of generosity. I didn't really plan it to all start with an E, but it kind of worked out that way, and it makes it easy for us to remember too, and easy for taking notes. So five E's of generosity. The first one is the, it is the essence of the gospel. This is my favorite one. Generosity is the essence of the gospel. The gospel is all about generosity. The word essence means an indispensable quality of something. So generosity is the indispensable quality of the gospel. You cannot have the gospel without generosity. It is God's generosity on display to you and me. And if you're a Christian here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you would say, yeah, I get that. You know, God came down, died on a cross for me, for my sins, and so I can be forgiven, so I can know him, I can have a relationship with him. And it makes sense to you, right? But I'm going to take it to another level. Even the idea of the Trinity is a representation of God's generosity. We understand the Trinity. The Trinity is God is in three parts, but he's one God, right? You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's all, it's all under one God head, but there are three specific entities, right? And so when you have God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit, what you see is that the Father actually sent the Son to come and pay the price for our sins. He sacrificed his son. You know, if you're a parent here, you know the idea of having to sacrifice your child is out of the question, right? If there came a moment where you had to decide if it was gonna be me or my child, there's no choice to be made, right? Every one of us would immediately stand in and take the place so our child would not have to be sacrificed for anything or anybody. And God is the same way. Yet God chose his son to come and die for us. The the idea of the Trinity shows the generosity of who God is. God would, you can make the argument that he would have rather done it himself than to send his son. And and the Bible even clearly says his one and only son. It's even telling us like, it's not like he had a bunch of sons, he had one. And that made it very, it made it very personal for him. And you might think, well, you know what? God's God, he had to do that. That's that's God, It, it is who he is. But listen, God is love. The Bible says that God is love. We know that God's love is greater than any love we could ever even comprehend. And so you can make the argument that his love for his son was greater than any love we could ever have for our child, yet he still sent him to die for us. That is the ultimate act of generosity, church. Generosity is the essence of the gospel. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. There's nothing that rises above the characteristic of generosity when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that means for each and every one of us. And what it tells us is that you cannot love without giving. You can't love without giving. Whatever you love, whoever you love, you give to that because you cannot love without giving. It would be ridiculous for me to tell my wife I love her but never give her anything, ever give her any time, never give her any attention, never give her any help with anything around the house. I just said, that's your thing, I love you though. She wouldn't be sitting here on the front row, I can tell you that. She might be watching online making bad comments. (laughs) But loving is giving. In fact, the the most famous, popular, most quoted verse in all the Bibles, John 3, 16, and there's a reason for that. And it says, for God so loved, he so loved, he loved so much us that he gave. Those are inseparable. You could stop right there on that verse. He loved so much that he gave. He loved so he, because, and he gave. He didn't love because he gave. He gave because he loved. And he expects the same from us. It is the essence of the gospel. Also, it is the expectation of the loved. Generosity is expected for those of us who are loved. So God so loved us, right? So now we are loved and we know that if, it, now I'm talking to Christians right now, okay? If you're here today and you're saying, I'm not a Christian, these principles don't really make sense to me. Well, I hope and pray that you would make that choice to follow Jesus with your life. And I I hope today, before you even leave here today, that you would make that choice because he's the best decision you'll ever make in your life, without a question. But if if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, then some of this may not make sense to you. But right now, I'm actually talking to Christians. So if you've received the love of the Father... It is an expectation that you would be generous because of his great love for us. Did you know that if you consider yourself a Christian, that there is an expectation there? Scripturally, biblically, there is an expectation for us to be generous, not necessarily just with our money, but even with our time, with our resources, with our giftings, with our abilities, that we are to be generous with our forgiveness. We are to be quick to forgive. With our thankfulness, we don't just... You know, the society gives thanks on the fourth Thursday in November. We are to give thanks every day. We are to live lives of thankfulness. We are to be generous with thankfulness in our life. In fact, the term generous Christian is kind of redundant because they describe each other. It's kind of like a free gift, you know, or a, um, a hot summer in Georgia. <laughs> That's redundant. If I say it's summer in Georgia, you know it's hot. So, a generous Christian, if we say, I'm a Christian, then it's automatically, it should be assumed that we are generous. Because that is what God has called us to. The life of a believer is expected, or is, is to be recognized by generosity and love. I take you back to my text verse today where it says, because Jesus laid down his life, we ought to do the same. We ought to lay down our lives for others. We ought to give, we ought to be generous in our life. Our, our life should be exemplified by generosity towards others in our life. And, uh, you know, some of us, when we come to church, you know, you may come to church to be fed. You may be here this this afternoon because you want to be fed, you want to be encouraged, you want to be built up, you want to be in Christian community, you want to be with the body of Christ, you wanted to worship, and that's all wonderful, and that's great. Uh, You should be expecting to be fed when you come into church. Just like on Thanksgiving Day, when you go into the house you're going to go into to have your Thanksgiving meal, you're going to expect that there's going to be food there and that you're going to be able to eat and maybe sometimes even eat a little too much, right? The difference between getting fed at church and getting fed on Thanksgiving is that on Thanksgiving after you're fed, you're basically just collapsing on the couch to watch football or take a nap or play cards or do something with your family and have fun. But when you're getting fed in church, it's not just so we can sit back and relax and enjoy the food we're getting. It is so that it can be an outflow of our life, that it is meant to be where we take what we get on a Sunday morning. This is kind of our huddle where we come together and we get fed, we get encouraged, but it's so that we can take what we've been given and go. As Pastor Roger said, go. We are commissioned to go, to be a blessing, to be generous to the people that God would put in our lives. The world's philosophy is, you know, to kind of Cover your own hide, right? That take care of yourself, that the three most important people in my life are me, myself, and I. And that's that's okay. That's if you don't know the scriptures, you're not follower, you're not following Jesus, you're not being led by the Holy Spirit in your life, then there's going to be that selfishness that we even have to all deal with, right? So we're not condemning because the world kind of approaches life that way, but we we approach it differently. The world says, I'm going to take care of myself first, and there's not really much of an expectation that they would go above and beyond to be generous, except maybe in the medical profession and a few other places, you know? Like if a doctor were to come up on a, on a scene in their car and there's an accident and there's obviously people there that are hurt and the medics aren't there yet, it would be expected that the doctor, he or she, would get out and try to help because, because the expectation is there because of their understanding, their knowledge, their education, their abilities, and because of the fact that they could actually give something that would maybe save a life, right? That's why the expectation is there. Well, that's why the expectation is on us as followers of Jesus. Because we also have something that can save a life. We also have something that can bring life into a situation where there was no life before. So there's an ex- we're, not, we're not just innocent bystanders walking down the road going, man, that really stinks. I hate that for them, but I don't know what to do. We are commissioned, we are empowered, we are emboldened, we are spirit-filled to be able to be his hands and feet to the people that God puts in our life. Whether that's somebody you live with or if it's somebody you come across. If it's a a waiter or waitress you run into, or if it's a a sibling or a spouse, it's always meant to be that there is an expectation for us to be generous to the people that God puts in our lives. If you have received the gospel, you've received the greatest gift that there ever was. But it is not for you to keep for yourself. It is for us to give to others. God forbid that we would be too self-consumed and selfish that we would not share the wealth of what God has given us. And when I say wealth, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about sharing the gift of God that he has given us. The greatest thing we can do is be salt and light in the world. I love what Pastor Rogers said, that some of, the, some of the people at the bridge, they don't even want their money. They want them to pray for them. They want them to, to help bring them out of the situation they're in. And, and we're all commissioned to do that. We all have that if you're a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be an ordained minister to be able to share the love of God with people that could come into your life. In fact, you definitely don't have to be that. There's nowhere in the word of God he even talks about having to be ordained to share God's love. We're all commissioned to do it. Jesus said, follow me. When we follow Jesus' example, we see that he is going to take us to places that aren't gonna be self-focused. You know, he told Peter and Andrew, they were on the fishing boat, he said, follow me. They left everything and followed him. And it wasn't, they didn't follow him to pad their checking account or to increase their net worth. They followed him to do whatever Jesus wanted them to do. They gave their life, just like we are encouraged to do, they gave their life for Jesus, literally in, in the end, gave their life for him. And we are encouraged to do the same. If we're gonna follow him, we need to count the cost and know where we're going. You know, I, uh, I'm part of a, a workout group that works out outside, and um, I, I do it two to three times a week. We meet at 5.30 in the morning, it's really early, and it's always outside, and, and there's different people that lead it every time we do it, and it's about 45 minutes. And we always start at one spot, and then from there we run to a place where we're going to work out. It's you know pretty high impact stuff, and and uh, but we always start with a little bit of a jog. And whoever's leading the workout that day, when they start jogging, we know those of us that are following that person, we know what we're getting into. We know we're going somewhere to do things that are going to make us hurt, <laughs> and and maybe regret that we came. Right? Until it's over, then you feel good. But we know where we're going. We count the cost before we even sign up to follow this person. There's no chance that one day this person's gonna say, you know what, guys, come on, I'm just gonna lead you to the coffee shop. We're gonna have coffee and donuts. We know we're going to work out. We're going to a place where we're gonna beat our bodies, right, but that's what we know when we sign up for this. Well, it's the same way in our faith. We have to know when we sign up for this faith where we're going. Jesus said, follow me. He also says, take up your cross and follow me, and he also says, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. So it's, it's not about what he's gonna do for us, it's about how we're going to live for him because of what he already did for us. That's what we're doing. And when he says, you're gonna follow me, he would expect us to live a lifestyle of generosity in our life. And one of the reasons for that is my third E, which is that generosity is the epitome of grace. It is the epitome of grace. You know, the definition of epitome is a perfect example of something. So generosity is the perfect example of grace. The grace you've received in your life as a follower of Jesus and also the grace that we are to extend to others in our life. Because you know grace, one definition of grace is that you're giving somebody something that they don't deserve. You know mercy is to not give them what they deserve and kind of give them a free pass. Grace is to go to the next level. Not only am I not giving you what you deserve, I'm also gonna give you more than that. That's what, that's what we got when we received the love of Jesus in our life. is not, well, not only did we not get, not get uh, the punishment for our sins, we also get to be in relationship with Jesus and get to go to heaven one day. That's grace, it's going to the next level. Well, when it comes to being generous with others and giving grace to others, we all know it's a lot easier to be generous with people that we feel deserve it, right? Generosity begets generosity, because that's human nature. You wanna be, gen- when somebody's generous to you, somebody gives you a nice gift for your birthday, well, then you want to give them a nice gift for their birthday, right? Or maybe you just feel obligated to do it, but there's a tendency to, to want to, be, to respond in kind, right? But you know what? The Bible tells us that that's just human nature, and if we do that, that we're no better than anyone else, that we're not necessarily operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. We're just kind of doing what the Bible or, or what human nature is to do. In fact, the verse is out of Luke 6. In verse 33, look what it says. This is the words of Jesus. It says, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So God never asks us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. I'll say that again. God never asks us to do something he is not willing to do himself. In fact, you could say he would never ask us to do something that he hasn't already done for us. You know, maybe as a parent, you might tell your kids, well, do this, don't do as I say, or don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Or maybe you've had your parents do that to you. God doesn't do that. God says, if I ask you to do it, I've already done it, and I'm gonna continue to do it. And I'm glad that he doesn't have the same nature as we do, or we just want to extend grace to people that we feel deserve it in our life. Because if he only extended grace to people that deserved it, none of us would receive any grace from God. In fact, Romans 8 and verse 5 is one of my, or I'm sorry, 5 and verse 8 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it shows the heart of God. It says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. This is how he shows us how much he loves us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we deserved it. He didn't wait till we were good enough. He didn't wait till we were sinning a little enough. He didn't wait till we were going to church enough. He didn't wait till we were giving enough in the temple. He didn't wait for us being nice enough to people. It says while we were still sinners. That's the grace of God. And because of that grace, he expects us to to operate in that same grace in our lives. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 tells us about the grace of God. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. That's a good promise, right? He's able to make all the graces in the world abound to you. And here's why. So that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God's grace for you is so that you would, one of the reasons is so that you would have grace for others. So that you would be generous to others in your life. Because he is so good to us all about the grace of God. And that means that generosity is my next E, which is the evidence of salvation. It is the evidence of salvation in our life. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying generosity is what saves us. It's not generosity that causes us to be in right standing with God, okay? So don't don't go, go home twisting or misinterpreting what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is that generosity is a byproduct of being saved. It is, a, it is a response to the saving grace of God in our life. It is evidence of salvation in our life. And you say, well, wait a minute. So do I have to show generosity to prove that I'm saved? That's a good question. It's not, it's, and I, we all go through seasons in our life where it's more difficult to be generous than others, right? Okay, it's, it's not about being generous to, to get saved or to even show that we're saved, but it, it, it has to be a response to, from us, inside of us, when, we've, when we have experienced and received the unbelievable gift of God in our life. The generosity would be an overflow. Now, do we all get to places in life where it's, it just feels like, like I said, I'm just trying to get through the week. I don't, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the margin. I don't have it in me right now to be generous. We're all there at times, aren't we? Everyone gets there, okay? But here's the key when we get there, church. You can't settle into that place. You can't settle in and say, you know what? It's just, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Because that, then when we do that, that's when we're getting into sin. Our heart should always be, you know what? If I'm at a place where I can't be generous, God, help me. God, open my eyes to see where there's areas that I can be generous in my life that I'm not seeing. Whether it's with my time, whether it's with just helping somebody, whatever it is, Lord, but that I would be willing to see with your eyes, to see that I can be generous in my life. And it doesn't have to look necessarily like I think it even has to look. But being open to what God wants to do in our life. Because as a follower of Jesus, church, we have the Holy Spirit, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. And he changes us. The Holy Spirit changes us. He makes us more like him. That's one of his jobs in our life is to make us more like him. So if, if you've been saved for a long time and you have no, there's, there's no thrust for you to be generous in your life and that Jesus isn't changing you and making you more like him, you may have believed the wrong gospel because the real gospel is one that causes us to be like Jesus. Now, does that mean we're gonna make all the right decisions and everything we do is gonna be perfect? Of course not. But it's going to cause us, it's going to draw us to be like him. Let me just tell you today, church, there are a lot of false gospels out there that look similar to the real gospel, but they have little little things about them that are different and off, and it completely changes the dynamic of it and even the truth of it. If we are following the real gospel, if we are following Jesus and his words in our life, he will help us to be generous in our life. And if we are in a season where we don't feel like we can be, there should at least be conviction in our heart. There should be conviction there where, okay, maybe I can't really do that right now, but man, I'm not okay with that. I'm not willing to settle into that. I'm not willing to just let that be who I am. But I'm gonna consistently make sure in my life that I am pursuing him and allowing him to let me see as he sees and open my eyes to see as he sees. 1 John three seventeen says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? He's basically saying there, if we don't have any need to feel like we can be generous in life, how can the love of God be in us? Because if you've really received his love, it does change you. It does make you more like him. That question when he says, how can the love of God be in him? It's rhetorical because it can't be. Because we can't do it without him. And it proves that we are his. It is evidence of our salvation when we live a life of generosity. John 15, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, probably challenged me and changed me in my walk as much as any single chapter out of the whole word of God. This is the, these are the words of Jesus where he talks about him being the vine and we're the branches. I'm going to read verses 5 and then verse 8. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Generosity, fruit in our life. and One of the, one of the evidences of fruit in our life is generosity. It is the evidence of our salvation. It is what shows people that we are a disciple of Jesus. We should look different than the world. We are generous to people that have wronged us. By forgiving them, by going the extra mile for them, we are generous to people that have even wronged us. We look different than the world looks because we are disciples of Jesus. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 7 that you'll be known by your fruit. You'll be known by your fruit. You know, you may be able to be known by people, just by the things you show them. You know, I can let you see just the stuff I want you to see about me for the most part. But you're known by God by what's actually on the inside, by what actual fruit is in your life, not the facade fruit we like to put up for everybody else to see. God knows you exactly by who you are. And there's no faking it. There's no putting up the facade and tricking God. He knows. And he wants us to be fruitful in our life. So how does that happen? How does fruit appear in our life? Well, that brings me to my last E, which is the generosity is the effort of the saved. It requires effort. Listen, church, generosity is not a feeling. If you say I feel like I'm generous or I feel generous, that's not a feeling or that's not generosity. Generosity is not a feeling. Generosity is action. Generosity is actually doing something. It's not enough to just have pity or just have compassion. That's not generosity. Generosity requires something of us. It. Just like love isn't a feeling. You know, people try to say that love is a feeling, but we know love is actually an action. You have to you have to if you care about somebody, if you really love them, there is action that comes with that. You know, I remember hearing a radio commercial a couple years ago and it was a boyfriend-girlfriend or husband-wife on the radio on the commercial and And uh, it was the girlfriend or wife's birthday, and she said, honey, did you get me something for my birthday? And the guy says, well, no, I didn't, wasn't able to get you anything, but, you know, I thought about getting you this really beautiful diamond necklace that I saw. And then I was thinking yesterday, like, man, wouldn't it be great if I could get you a brand new Mercedes, and then tonight take you out on a really romantic, wonderful dinner? I, I thought about all of that. And... The woman, like, gives him a hug and says, oh, thank you so much. You're so thoughtful. That's so wonderful. And then the narrator comes on and says, wouldn't it be nice if it really was the thought that counts? (laughs) If it did, all of us men would be legends. Because I think about it all the time, honey. I promise. (laughs) But love isn't a feeling. it's, It's action. And so is generosity in our life. And it requires effort. And here's the thing, church. So I I talk to as many pastors as I can just about church work. And I'm I'm more of a collaborative guy by by nature, and so I like to hear what other people are doing, how things are going, not to compare, but just to just to see see if there's any trends and where things are going. And so I, and I'm part of a couple different networks where I get emails and I'm on Zoom calls, and uh, I like to see what's going on in other churches too. And uh, what I'm hearing from pretty much every pastor, every church leader that I'm connected to in any way is that COVID-19 has made the church lazy. It's made us lazy. And there's a lot of reasons for that. In fact, even as church staff, I've seen for even myself where there is a tendency, there there, there is a lean there that if we're not careful, we can become lazy because there was a season with COVID, even in the church, where we couldn't do anything except film a sermon for Sunday morning, right? And so we weren't doing anything during the week, and so you're still running and scrambling, but when it really comes to uh, being proactive and making effort to be generous, even as a church, there was a lot of, there there felt like there was a lot of resistance. And what we're seeing in the church with the people in the church is that it's every pastor I know is having a very difficult time getting people to volunteer, getting people to serve, getting people to help serve even in the communities, even church giving in a lot of ways is down. I mean, there's just a lot where we've just become kind of lazy because of the the circumstances we're experiencing in our society. And church, we as a church have to be very, very careful to not allow that to settle into who we are because there's no time, there's no place for us as followers of Jesus to be lazy in our faith. There's too many people out there that need to know the love of God in their life. And there's too many of us in here that need to be encouraged in our faith and in our walk. And it requires all of us together. The days of the church being like the pastor and his staff and everybody else just kind of hangs out are over. I mean, we, we are the body of Christ. We all have different roles, but we all are called to be a part of it. And what happens is that the Holy Spirit should be nudging all of us to make sure that we're not just focused on ourselves, that we're not just trying to take care of ourselves because for a season, it was all about like stay home, take care of yourself, make sure you stay healthy, and, and man, that is human nature for us anyway. So in some ways, even though we were getting cabin fever and going stir crazy, it was feeding a need in human nature to just be about yourself. And we have to get out of that mindset. We have to get out of that mindset because it is imperative that we as a, as a body of Christ, that we are not self-focused, but that we are focused on others. You know, I've, been, I've even been convicted this week as I was preparing this message and talking about generosity and how, you know, when Joy and I, when we first got married, we set a baseline for what we were going to give financially. And, you know, we, we've stuck to that, but we always had a heart to give uh, over and above that. And for years and years we did, but it feels like over the last few years, it's it's been less and less than, than what we'd really like to be doing. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm even looking at myself saying, am I, am I focusing too much of my, even my own finances on myself and not really letting you have a say in it? And uh, it's convicted me. And, and I, I want to be better because I want to be generous in my life because I believe that there is fruit that comes from that in ways, that spiritual ways that I can't even fully describe. You know, and you can argue about whether or not tithing is, you know, if it's an Old Testament principle, if it translates into the New Testament. The, the, at the end of the day, the Bible is clear that we are called to be generous even with our finances. In the kingdom of God, the gospel takes money to go out. You have to have it to make the gospel go out. And so at, the bottom line is we as, People that believe the gospel and have followed the gospel and believe in Jesus and believe that He is the Lord and the Savior of the world that that people need Him, well then we we should be investing into that in our life. Whether it's here, or whether it's somewhere else, we should be investing in the Kingdom of God in our life. So um, so I've even been challenged in that this week. You know, in fact, I I a couple weeks ago when I was preaching, I was talking about personal evangelism and how you know we should. It's not just the church leader's job to make sure we're doing evangelism. We should have a personal evangelistic thrust in our own life where we would be sharing the gospel with people in our life. And man, it convicted me so badly because I, I don't have people in my life that are far from God because my whole life is, you know, the church and my family and and it's it can be all consuming. And so I've been just praying lately that God would, would lead me to someone or, or give me eyes to see someone in my life or, or even open doors for me where I can be intentional about going out and getting to know somebody that's far from God and spending time with him. You know, being generous with my time to even try to witness or bring the gospel to someone in in my life. And I'm not talking about bashing them over the head with my Bible, but just being the hands and feet of Jesus and loving them in a way where they it would open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. And that's how we as followers of Jesus should be living in our life. Because here's something I've learned in my life is that Money flows effortlessly to whatever we worship. It flows effortlessly to whatever we worship, church. And I know you might say, oh, I don't worship my house or my car. Worship is just giving something worth, ascribing worth to something. And, and God is very clear in his word that we are not to ascribe worth to anything above him. But if, if the things that we have to have, our own personal things that we want to do If that takes precedent over serving our God, then it's something that we worship. We all have a tendency to go that way, to be able to worship something else above God in our life. And I would venture to say there's not one of us in this room or listening that has not, at seasons in their life, put things above God and worshiped those things. And you could tell by just looking at your time, your finances, your energy, where it goes, it flows effortlessly to whatever we worship. So I would challenge you today to even look at your own heart. Say, where is, all of, where is all of my generosity flowing to? And if it's anything other than, or if it's anything above your relationship with the Lord and what he would want you to do with your life, then it's worship. And we, are, we, are, we need a, an adjustment in our life. And I want to challenge you in that today because I've been challenging myself too. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not doing in my own life. Definitely not perfect because I get to stand up here at a pulpit. But I feel the conviction to lead us in such a way that we would would make sure that generosity is a priority in our life. Because all of that flows effortlessly to whatever we worship. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I close today. I want to read one more verse for you. One more passage out of 1 Timothy 6. It says, command those who are rich in this present world, that's you, by the world's standards, every one of us here is rich, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, we're being sold a bill of goods on what truly life is by society, by every every force outside of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're being sold a bill of goods of what truly life is like. And it is contrary to the Word of God. Truly life is not about having everything we need or everything we could ever want, and focusing on ourselves. Truly life is about being rich in good deeds and being generous and willing to share with others so that we will lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age when we're in heaven. So we're paying it forward. And I can tell you, I believe in all of my with all of my heart that it is so worth it to pay it forward. With whatever it is God is calling you to give of yourself, time, energy, resources, money, whatever it is, We pay it forward because we're not doing it just because it's the right thing to do. We're doing it because we're actually laying a foundation for us for when we're in the next age. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful promise. So I want to pray for us today. I encourage you, if you want to come to the altar, you're welcome to do that. Or you can stay in your seat too. I'm going to pray for all of us though. I just encourage you today to to just let the Lord search your heart today. Let him search your heart. When When he... stirs up, when he brings up things in our life, it is never to condemn, it's always so that it can be dealt with. So that we can be free from whatever those things are that hold us back and hold us down. So would you pray with me today? Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. God, as you are probing at us today, maybe pricking our heart a little bit, God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to open ourselves up to whatever it is you want to do in our lives. Lord, none of us are perfectly generous. We never will be. But Lord, we want to be better. We want to be more like you. Make us more like you. God, we lay down everything today. We lay it all down. It's all yours. As we sang today, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Every bit of our life. Everything, God, it's all yours. Lord, forgive us where we have become arrogant, where we've taken ownership of thinking that what we have is because of us or it's ours and you can't touch it. Lord, I pray you just open our eyes to see that it's all from you and it's all for you. God, do your work in our lives. We wanna be a generous people with everything you've given us. Help us, Lord. Meet us in our place of need, God. Many of us are overwhelmed right now. Many of us are feeling the pinch in our lives just trying to get through the week. Lord, would you open our eyes to see the opportunities you're giving us. Help us to be intentional. Help us to make wise decisions to bring margin into our life to where we can be generous. We need your help, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come, that you give us everything we need and that you will empower us. In our weakness, Lord, we know that you are made strong. Be strong in us, Lord. We thank you and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we praise God with a hand clap? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.